Everybody Googles everything, especially potential customers or employers, and a business or personal online reputation can make or break you. If negative search results or reviews are impacting you, Webamax is here to help. Our proven process restores your online reputation quickly and effectively, and it matters. Don't let negative results control your narrative. Visit GoWebamax.com and fill out a brief confidential form to see how we can help. Remember, if you aren't paying attention to your online reputation, someone else is. GoWebamax.com before history is written it's played before it's frozen in time it's fought one shift at a time before it's etched in silver it's carved in ice what happens next will last forever The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Pittsburgh Steeler fans, welcome to this week's episode of Steelers Caproom. I'm your host of this weekly podcast, Matt Peverell, joining you live from the future over here in Australia, um, 14 hours ahead. So I'm recording this on my Wednesday night, um, ahead of it going to you guys live to air on your Wednesday evening. But look, great to be with you for another week. Actually, before I get into this week's show, I wanted to um, preview what we've got coming up, um, both for today and, and going forward. So Moving to next week, the show is actually going to be called something different. Um, it's still going to air at the same time and what have you. It's still going to cover similar content. But from next week, we're going to be calling this show uh, Steel's War Room. And that War Room is very much going to be centered around both the cap and the draft. So as we get closer to that free agency, the new league year starting in mid-March, as we get closer to the draft, we want to be able to give you some content across both pieces because quite frankly, and it came up in Jeff and Jeff's appearance on actually on touching and under on the weekend. A lot of the talk right now, you know, it's easy as a fan to go, Oh, they're just talking about free agency or they're just talking about salary cap or they're just talking about the draft and who needs to be there. But all of it should really be about team needs. And that's whether you're looking at free agents to bring in, whether you're looking at re-signing, you know, your unrestricted free agents or bringing back your exclusive free agents. If it's restructuring a deal, if it's extending a deal and weighing up those two options, or equally, if you're drafting someone, no matter what that is, 
what we like to do with what we want to do with this show is really give you a, a sense or an ability to play in that Steelers war room, that Omar Khan role, that Kevin Colbert role, that Mike Tomlin role, and get you thinking, what would you do in that position? So that's why we're going to move to this sort of title of war room so that we can a bit more encompassing in there. And the title cap room is a bit less ambiguous, but that's not to say that we're not going to have still lots of stuff coming around the cap, even all the way up to draft because they, there's always considerations to be made here. And, and you see that a lot with draft day when different trades are made. So in terms of this week's show, I really wanted to do a couple of things. Um, I think first of all, it's really important to start off with a recap of where we're situated. So we're still no further in terms of working out what this year's uh, in season 2021, what the salary cap is going to be specifically. We have heard over the last week confirmation of the news very much so that uh, the salary cap will be a floor of 180 million. So currently over the cap projects that at um, that floor to be 180 million, 500,000. As we know, the Steelers have got 4.9 million or so extra dollars um, in terms of the adjusted cap, which we've talked about um, in previous podcasts, where they're able to carry that over basically from last year due to, due to the way the cap was spent. So the Steelers are sort of more looking around that $85 million mark or so right now, which is really great because as we know, the Steelers, you know, one of the teams that have one of the biggest salary cap challenges, in fact. Um, one, there are other, other sort of um, speculation that the cap's more likely 185 million, that this floor is probably still going to be 5 million off that. To give us some perspective in terms of what that means, in 2019, so in 2020 last year, the cap was $198.2 million. The year before that, it was $188.2 million. So in 2019... And in 2018, it was 177.2 million. So you've seen it go up um, $11 million between 2018 and 2019, $10 million the next year between 2019 and 2020. So we're probably more around that 177 mark. Right now, we're going to be closer to that than we are that 188. And obviously, I've said there, the Steelers have got that 4.9 million carryover. I want you to think about, and I wanted to bring it up, I had a look at the free agent signings that we had in 2018. Now, if you're listening there at home or, um, you know, just have a think about it or, you know, at work or wherever you listen to this on your commute, have a think. Who might have been those free agents that were brought in? One was the linebacker, the inside linebacker, John Bostich, and he was brought in on a two-year deal for $4 million. Now, I don't know about you, but for me, that was one of the worst acquisitions ever made by the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, terrible acquisition. Um yeah, it just it just did not pay its dividends and it, it didn't help us out, you know, um, in terms of everything that went on with Ryan Shazier and and what have you there. Um, look, you didn't you got cut, I think, the next year. The other the other free agent was equally as popular and ended up going over to the Browns, which was Morgan Burnett. Um, he signed a three year deal for fourteen and a half million. It never really worked out for him. I don't think he was happy with the role that he played in the Pittsburgh Steelers defense, even though he agreed to it. You know, he was very injury prone that first year. And it yeah, it just it just didn't come to fruition. But it makes you think, and, and the Steelers were in a different salary cap situation there, but it makes you think if they were able to find the money there to spend roughly, you know the sort of money they did there on that $4 million and that $14.5 million contracts. What could they do this year? What could do they do this year? So currently over the cap, and as I said, it's important to sort of give a situation update on where we're at. Over the cap, 
um, the current projection is the team is $19 million over right now, over the salary cap in terms of team cap space. Now, when it's hard to know the some of their numbers at the moment, but the top 51 are, and, and we know the cap's based on your top 51 players um, in terms of where that cap space rolls. That's forecast right now to be 201,423,000, which is putting us that just to tick over 19 million over. When I look at that, um, it, it looks like Vance, they've taken Vance's contract out right now. Um, so, but Pouncey still in there. So that number can be a little bit misleading. So I want us to really work off the fact that um, we had that $185 million um, there is that as really that cap for the Steelers right now, based on the floor and the adjusted cap, we've knocked off Vance's, um, Vance's salary there in terms of the 5.2 million. So that gives the Steelers a bit more room again. Um, and then now you've got it. So, you know, it, it's looking much better, much healthier there. And then again, you're going to take Pouncey's, Pouncey's number off too. The big piece of news though, that's come out over the last 24 hours as I go live to live to record this, which may even have a further update by the time you're listening to it, depending on the pace at which they want to move. Difficult though, with Mike Tomlin um, having COVID is that Ben has actually met with Art Rooney um, in, in Big Ben about his contract. His agent said they want him back as the starting quarterback for 2021. Now, obviously we know agents there, um, you know, out there to get the best deal and to promote their client. I can't see, you know, as Big Jeff and I talked about um, on Touchdown Under on Saturday evening in the US and Sunday morning over here in Australia, I, I sort of talked about the fact that, you know, big, if Big Ben was to go somewhere else, and we both were talking such hypotheticals there, I don't think the agents out there to inflate Ben's role to other different teams teams know what they could get in Ben Roethlisberger if he was released by the Steelers and he didn't actually want to retire. But what I think is important is that we might get an understanding of what that number means. Um, his 2020 number means this year. We obviously know he's on a base salary of 14 million. Um, his bonus, which which is his you know dead cap money number as well, is 22.25 million, and he'll get a roster regular bonus there of 15 million. So they need to do something with that four million dollar base salary and that roster bonus, that 19 million. Um, again, I think you ended up with a back, you know, a back heavy contract next year, um, which will essentially be a dead year for him. Um, I think they'll only bring him back for one year. You know, the Steelers have got a heap of cap space next year right now. They're, they're forecast to have 169 million in cap space. So that's no issue there. But equally, the extensions that you give this year, the money that you shift to create room to move, those sorts of things will lead into that number. And, and this is the thing we need to really tool up um, in a number of different areas. And by tool, I mean, bring people in that can do things. I don't mean people that are going to be detrimental to the locker room and what have you. Um, and, so, and so that cap becomes a very interesting proposition. So that's sort of, I want to give a lay of the land there in terms of where we're currently situated. There are a few updates. It is important for us to understand what that cap looks like. So just sort of cover that off in the first 10 minutes there. Now, Equally, the other great piece that came out um, over the past week or so, um, and particularly last couple of days, is over the cap. Um, and, and anyone that listens to this show knows that you know this is a big source of information for me. I gather a lot of information from different places. It's come out with a um, the best way to put it is a sort of a salary guide. Um, it's looked at a lot of different financial statistics that get quite deep. 
Um, I'm not going to go into all those on this podcast. I'm going to look at different pieces of that guide over the next couple of weeks. Um, and I had to do a bit of extra payment for that one, but I wanted to get that. I wanted to get their projections because they've actually projected a whole heap of numbers for, I think about like 80 free agents, including big ones from the Steelers in Bud Dupree, Juju Smith-Schuster, Mike Hilton, um, Alejandro Villanueva, Matt Filer, James Connor. Um, I think it's a Mike Hilton there, but interestingly, no Cam Sutton, no Cam Sutton. So um, next week, I'm going to look at Mike Hilton, Mike Hilton's focus and um, versus a Cam Sutton. And there's been a bit of talk of that on different BTSC shows. And Jeff and I talked about that as a burning question, but I really want to look at it from a numbers perspective next week, but do a deep dive there because I do think it affects what the Pittsburgh Steelers do with Joe Hayden and we'll be closer to the start of that league year. And we might even have some news on what that market looks like. So I'm going to save Hilton and Cam Sutton, Cam Sutton for them. But before I look at preview the, and and sort of talk about some of these, the free agents in that document um, that I want to sort of cover in today's show, I thought it worth bringing up the project over the caps um, over the weekend, one of their key, um, contributors or editors basically came out with the projected franchise tag numbers for this season. Now we've, I think it was Dave Schofield wrote an article on the website of behind the Obviously we're affiliated with them. It's your one-stop shop for all things Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, and these franchise tag numbers and, and Dave sort of suggested that the Steelers wouldn't be using one this year. They wouldn't be the right player to use it on. Um, I tend to agree. Um, if, if you're going to use a franchise tag number this year, you might've used it on Cameron Haywood had he not re- had not signed his deal. You might've, you know, I mean, I am personally of the school of thought you could use it for Juju, um, particularly if Ben's coming back. But again, we need the cap room and can we afford Juju? but we'll look at that when we look at this over the cap salary guide. Regardless, thought it was important to give to give you an update on where over the cap are projecting these franchise tags. So in 2021, the QB position, um, which obviously still is not really in, in for there, is projected to be $24.8 million. That's down from $26.8 million in 2020. Um, and that's a drop of 7.5% or close to. A wide receiver, the 2021 franchise tag number is meant to be $15.8 million or projected to be down from 2020's $17.865 million. That's an almost, it's 11.5% uh, change. Defensive end, that's going to be $14.5 million, um, down from $17.78 million in 2020. Um, and, and that looks to be an 18.3% change. And that's where Cam Haywood would have been a bit of value at that number because currently he's got a, um, a, a cap hit um, in 2021 there of, of eight and a half, uh, sorry, yeah, he's got that $7.5 million if you don't do, don't do a restructure there. Um, so sorry, he's got double that. So yeah, he's in the 14 million mark um, when you look at it that way. So that's the interesting sort of piece that's coming there. Um, and then when you look at the cornerback position, it's $14.895 million. That's not far off Steven Nelson's actually, um, his contract, but that's down from 16.3 million in 2020. That's an eight, that's a 8.8% change there. Defensive tackle, that's at $13.736 million, down from $16 million in 2020, 15, well, 14.82% change there. Linebacker, 
moves down from 15 million in 2020 to a projected um, number in 2021 of 14.6 million um, for franchise tax. So that's a seven and a half percent drop. Um, the O line, um, so that's both guard, tackle, and center. That's a projected um, franchise tag cap of $13.6 million. That's down from 14.7, so that's an 8% drop. Safety is at $10.4 million, down from 11.4, so you're about a million there, and that's um, an 8.26% drop. Uh, tight end is projected to be $8.496 million in 2021. Um, and in 2020, the number was 10.6 million. Now, when you look at Eric Ebron, for example, his is eight and a half million. So he is what would cost you in a franchise tag this year. So you would want to think that Eric Ebron is going to be in that top 10 in terms of performance there as a vertical tight end, because that's they're the tight ends that are going to be making um, those vertical threat tight ends going to be making the higher echelon of that number. At running back, the projected uh, franchise tag number will be $8.07 million. In 2020, it was $10.27 million. There's a 21% drop there. Now, that's the biggest outside of the defensive end position and that edge, edge rush there. I'm, I'm not overly surprised by that. I think everyone has sort of seen the value in the running back position drop um, over the past, you know, sort of several seasons. And you're seeing that in draft picks, you're seeing it in the contracts that are handed out. The Steelers suddenly look very good for the contract um, that actually Le'Veon rejected rather than didn't get picked up from them. So it's an interesting sort of perspective there, but obviously the running back position is going through a bit of change in terms of its prominence in the NFL um, over, over the last few years. And I expect that will continue in the years to come. And then kicker and punter, not that it affects us too much, is a franchise tag of 4.33 million projected for 2021, down from just over 5 million in 2020, which is an 11% change. Again, I think that's interesting for the Pittsburgh Steelers because you've got um, Chris Boswell on $4.77 million. So he's over that franchise tag number. So whilst he had a pretty good year last year, you'd want him this year to be actually, you know, one of the top kickers in the league. And, you know, quite frankly, after he hit that 59 yarder in, uh, in against Dallas, I think it was, um, you know, that's awesome. So we just need him to be able to do that as well, particularly in a division that's got players like Justin Tucker in it. But look, that wraps up part one of the show in part two, that's coming, coming in shortly. I'll be looking at a couple of these players that I set out of this salary guide that I think it's worth sort of covering this first week. Um, but look forward to joining you then. We'll discuss that, we'll discuss some value, and yeah, it. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. And we're back. On Steelers. Cat room. 
<laughs> Everyone thought I was going to say touchdown under there, but no, I wasn't. And I'm your host of this of this weekly Wednesday podcast, Matt Peverell, joining you for what will be the last cap room before it becomes war room next week. I previewed that in part one. Essentially, that allows us to cover the cap and the draft. They go hand in hand. They both fill team needs. It's really about putting your mind in the perspective of what are the, some of the considerations of Omar Khan, Mike Tomlin, Kevin Colbert, and the rest of the organization as well, from the scouting department to the bean counters that report up into, into Omar Khan. So in this part two, I want to look at um, really focusing on some of the outtakes that I had from from over the cap salary guide that they've just published, which is a, a paid for document for this um, this off season, and, and I think it's really important as we go into twenty twenty one. I want to just quickly cover um, a really interesting piece, and they've got this even by positions and what have you, but. They essentially did a numbers study and they went back over the last sort of five seasons, so 2015, 2016, 2017, 2018, 2019, um, before last year, and looked at how a team's prior wins the year before affected their spending in free agency and the number of players that they signed on average in those years especially when we think the Pittsburgh Steelers had 12 wins. So the 12 wins puts you in the upper echelon, basically, of this of this sort of study. And it puts you in when you look at all different sort of numbers that are throughout this document. Um, but basically, spending by record. So from 2015 to 2019, teams in the prior year that had had zero to five wins, on average, signed 15.7 players. At an average free, age, average free agent value, so total amongst those players of... of um, cap was $48.998 million. The average prior year wins was 3.8. The wins then once signed was 6.8. So there was a three game change by signing, by signing those players over eight wins. Those teams were 33.3%. So they went to plus eight wins and over 10 wins was 22.2% of those teams. So interesting numbers there for those that were at 5.5 to eight, wins the year prior they signed an average of 15.3 players at 41 million dollars average prior wins the year before was 6.9 wins after was 7.4 and a change of 0.6 so they're signing on average of less players and spending less money over eight wins was 40.4 percent and over 10 wins was 25.5 percent so some teams are obviously acquiring players and doing a lot better and other teams were seeing a minimal minimal change that's to be expected. I, I think that would be, you know, people can understand that when some teams are really good at signing free agents in and others are not so much. Eight and a half to 10 uh, wins per prior year. Players signed was 12.7. Um, and the average free agent value was 35 million. The average prior wins the year before was 9.4. So closer to that 10 game mark. The wins after was 8.2. And the change is a drop of 1.1 games. Over eight wins was 60%. Over 10 wins was 31.6%. So you're consolidating, but not necessarily you know, improving drastically. At 10.5 to 16 wins the year prior, only 12.6 players were signed on average in this five-season period at a total eight, um, at a yearly average agent, free agent value of $30.2 million. Average wins the year prior was 119 Wins was 9.6 after signing these free agents, which is a 2.3 game drop in terms of, of in terms of wins. Over eight wins was 76.9%, and over 10 wins was 51.2%. So for these teams, you can sort of see that you know they were able to definitely keep over that eight win mark. So they were able to consolidate, 
But in terms of the 50%, they're sort of an interesting thing to see well, how many teams actually dropped off the pace. Essentially, what it shows is the worst teams adding the most players and the most contract value in the offseason were the best, while the best teams generally had the least. So that's shown in the numbers. And according to Over the Cap, while the table may indicate that free, agent play, free agency plays a role in increased wins for the biggest spenders, it is important to remember that this group also represents the set of teams that has access to the top draft picks in the most seasons and in many cases face the most injuries in a prior year. That's really interesting when you think about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers who won this year's Super Bowl. It's really interesting when you think about the teams and where they draft and draft success. It's really interesting when you look at teams like the Atlanta Falcons this year that are probably going to tool up with a backup quarterback there, which is smart. Um, Obviously, you've got Matt Ryan aging. It's interesting when you look at teams like, you know, the the Carolina Panthers and the Denver Broncos um, and those sorts of teams as well. Who are they going to bring in? Um, and, and I know that when we look at Denver Broncos, I think the rumor latest at the moment is that Deshaun Watson is is their target there. You look at the Jets as well. So, and of course the Jags. The Jags have got the most cap space. They've got the number one pick. They've got a new coach. Look for the opportunity. Like look for them to make massive waves, and not just in the draft, but in free agency too. So, I think it's just really interesting that we're not necessarily going to see this trend go. Equally, what does this mean for the Pittsburgh Steelers? You know, we had 12 wins. We were above this average of the year prior wins under this study. You know, it dropped down to 9.6. Are we going to drop down three or four games? Now, if we drop three, we win nine games. That's probably enough to scrape into the playoffs with 17 playoffs. Um, obviously, the 17 game, these numbers start to change in terms of the wins. Maybe we get maybe we get 10, game, 10 wins um, versus the 12 wins, in, but we've got, obviously, we're playing an extra game. But these are the interesting pieces here because... When we think about this, about and I said, think about it from that war room perspective and the long term cap. And I've, I've I've suggested that people need to think of the cap in three and four year propositions, not single propositions. The Steelers are going to have cap coming up the next few years. Yes, they're going to have to sign TJ Watt, re-sign TJ Watt. Yes, they're going to have to sign, re-sign Devin Bush and, and Minka Fitzpatrick and Alex Highsmith. And if you think Bud's worth, you know, fifteen to seventeen million dollars now, and we'll get into him very shortly. You know, think about what Highsmith's going to be worth if he can continue his his trajectory. Chase Claypool's another one. Deontay Johnson potentially, or is it James Washington? Does he have a breakout? So there are some younger guys here that we're going to have to sign. But equally, the salary cap will go up exponentially. We've got a new TV deal coming, and and these are the interesting pieces for the Pittsburgh Steelers when we really look at where they're going to go over the next few seasons and. Where are they going to spend money? Where are they going to acquire? Who are they going to acquire? So I, th- I think that that's when we, when we look at these cap numbers, it's very easy to go, well, the cap's at $180.5 million. And, you know, the Pittsburgh Steelers are 20-something million dollars over, the, over that cap hit. You know, it's all doom and gloom. It doesn't have to be doom and gloom. And equally, just because there's a challenge this year doesn't mean that what the Steelers are doing are not thinking about next year. And that's the thing is whilst the Steelers are a team that are committed to success, they doc it's well-documented. They put that forward. You know, they, they, they want that success. They're not silly either. They're not going to destroy the franchise one year, you know, to, to, to try and win and then, and then screw it up for the next. Now, I know that seems very interesting for me to say that considering where we are with the salary cap this year and big Ben and backloaded contracts and what have you, but 
the Steelers won't put themselves. I would be very surprised if we're in this position again. And equally, no one no one could have predicted a global pandemic and the cap actually dropping for the first time and to a originally a lower ceiling than what the cap was three seasons ago. You know, you know, the, the cap has not been under one hundred seventy eight million dollars for over three seasons. So technically four seasons, four years, and you know, the ceiling above it right now still puts it back three seasons. So I've brought up Brad Dupree. When I looked at the, it, really interesting. So they put him in the free agency guide, um, this free agency salary guide, and it sort of looks to predict based on the OTC valuation, which I've talked about in this podcast before, which is basically the average per year um, salary of a player against their PFF grade. Now, I understand that PFF grade can uh, roll up some people, but it still is a measurement that we don't have and we can't pull elsewhere. So it's interesting. So their profile on Bud Dupree, the player notes. So age 28, first round draft pick really came on from 2017 onwards. And that they, they, and I quote, Dupree was on his way to potentially being the top paid free agent pass rusher this year before a terrible ACL injury in week 12 puts a dampener on his outlook. A late bloomer with the Steelers, Dupree came alive much more in pressure in the QB the last two years. He was on pace for back-to-back seasons with 10 plus sacks when he was injured. He was already established as a good run defender and players who are averaging between 80 and 90% of snaps are always going to be amongst the highest paid. On a weekly basis, Dupree averaged a top 15% rating in our valuation metric and never dipped into the more average category. Whilst players usually recover from ACL tears, it is going to be a concern for many teams. His contract can go in many directions. One is the prove it year deal. But prior to this deal, he had not had any significant injury since a groin injury in 2016. So it is not likely that he has a chronic concern like D Ford or Jadavian Clowney. There are no questions about his effort either. Perhaps the better option will be something with a lower first cost in the in, the, in year one and larger options in future years with limited protections for Dupree. Given his talent level, this might be the path that makes the most sense for a team so they get access to the long-term upside if he is healthy. So there you sort of see, they're sort of saying that one-year deal, backload it, what have you. And people are like, could he take a team-friendly deal? Bud's not going to do that. You, you, there's no need for him to do that. He needs to cash in. And, you know, it's actually really interesting because I sort of sit there and I think there's some players on the pit, on the Buffalo Bills that could be cut. And somehow I just have this feeling that, that, that they're a team that might be in. Equally, is it Jacksonville? They could do with some significant pass rush. They're going to be doing things in the years ahead. So um, obviously they've lost guys over the last few years, like, you know, Yannick Ngokwe. They lost, you know, um, Campbell as well. Looking at Bud, though, specifically, the statistical comparison. So they've done this for each player, but we'll look at Bud specifically. And they've compared him to key people in and around um, his position um, and, and leaders. And they've done this over the two years prior to signing, which they feel real, over the cap feel affects the that player market value. And I thought it was important to look at market value. It was a question I got asked um, related to something different in Touchdown Under this week. And, and it's very hard in an unconfirmed salary cap to start working out market value. Um, I will look to do that in a f- future shows. I've started that work, but it's actually a lot more complex than it seems to work out positional market values. Um, but anyway, looking at Bud Dupree. So... He was compared to D. Ford, Zadarius Smith, Jadavian Clowney. I don't know why I'm mucking that up tonight. I'm usually perfect with that name. Preston Smith, Leonard Floyd. 
So the average playtime across those guys was 68.1%. The leader there was Leonard Floyd, who's played 79.7% of the snaps. And I guess the the lagger, if you like, in that number is Zadarius Smith, who's played a, an average of 57.6% of the snaps. Bud Dupree has played 75%. And when you look at him, he's obviously the second, he's actually the second played the second most snaps at, at, at that position compared to the other guys. In terms of games played, um, Preston Smith and Leonard Floyd have both played 32. Um, the average is 28.8. And Bud Dupree has played 27. D Ford, who we know is injury prone, has played um, a low of, of 22. In terms of quarterback pressures, um, the leader there is Jadavian Clowney with 107. Um, the lagger is Leonard Floyd there. Um, the average is 93. And Bud's just a tick above that at, at 94. The sacks, um, so leading there is is Bud Dupree. Bud Dupree leads sacks amongst those players, amongst Leonard Floyd, Preston Smith, Jadavian Clowney, Zadera Smith, and D Ford. The lowest is Leonard Floyd with seven sacks. Um, and and coming in second there is D Ford with 17. In terms of tackles, you can see the Bud is uh, there with 55 tackles. He's behind Preston Smith and Floyd um, and Jadavian Clowney as well, but he's above D Ford and Zadarius Smith. The average is 52, so he's, he's got three more tackles there. So he's about 5% over the average. Run stops. This is where Bud comes second again. Um, he's behind Jadavian Clowney, who's also a good run defender. Um, and, and Jadavian had 43. The average was 30, and he's got 41. Pressure rate. The average was 11% amongst these players. The high was D Ford with 12%. Bud had 10.4%. So that was actually the second lowest, only above Leonard Floyd. The sacks to pressure um, rate together. Um, Bud Dupree, 23.4%. He led all those players with an average where there was an average of 13.8%. The lowest was Leonard Floyd with 9.3%. And D Ford came in second at 18.3%. So you can see D Ford's really effective and he validated his sort of $17 million um, average per year contract over five years, but he's just got to stay healthy for, um, I think it's Kansas City that have got him um, or one of the 49ers. Anyway, uh, the run stop percent. Um, so the highest player there was Jadavian Clowney at 9.7%. Bud came in second at 7%. The average was 6%. Um, but everyone else was sort of sitting at four and a half to five and then five and a half and, and just over six. So what did over the cat um, have to make a statistical comparison summary saying Dupree's sack numbers are very high relative to his pressures, which is going to indicate a number of coverage sacks in his totals. Still, his numbers are on par with Preston Smith and just slightly lower than Zadarius Smith. And he's adding more value with his run defense than those two players. Ford was more of a pass rush, pure pass rush guy than with major inju- injuries. Clowney is actually very similar to Dupree, but with more persistent injuries. Current market metrics. So right now, the average is a three-year deal across these players at an average of per year contract value of $13.9 million, an average guarantee of $20, 20 million. Um, One-year cash in the first year looks like it's $16.7 million. Um, three-year cash is $4.69 million. D Ford had the highest contract with an average per year value of 17 million guaranteed for 45 million. 
Sedaris Smith signed a four-year deal with an average per year salary of $16.5 million, a guarantee of only $20 million. Jadavian Clowney, average year, he did one year, $13 million, guaranteed $11.5. Um, Preston Smith, four-year deal, $13 million average, guarantee of $16. Um, Leonard Floyd, one-year deal, $10 million, guarantee $10 million. So where does that, where over the cap projecting based on these numbers? Without the injury, Bud Dupree was likely looking at an 18 million plus contract with a lot of security. And his numbers would have been well ahead of where they are um, from my perspective. They sort of, according to the cap, they think that um, worst case, um, depending on how he's feeling and what the market looks like, he could follow a route similar to Clowney did last year um, and then sign a healthy, you know, one year deal with for about 13 million, they feel would be his market value um, with less guarantees than what Clowney had. Um, they do note that the pandemic could, could impact the cap, but Bud Dupree's talent level and performance probably outweighs it. Um, there may be ways to give him an incentive deal and push the costs to 2022, if that's a concern. And I'm sure there's those amongst this, this listener base that are going, can we do something with the Steelers there? But that first year in value is going to be much too high for us to do it. And as we've talked about, you've got Highsmith coming along. But um, the best case for Bud, um, and we do wish him well, is for him to do a deal like Ford um, for high money at like $17 million a year, but with limited guarantees. So whilst Ford signed that $17 million a year um, number, he only received a guarantee of $20 million due to his injury history. Actually interesting, Alan Robinson did a similar deal with the Bears. Um, and there are interesting ways that they can both protect themselves. So you know, and Bud's going to offer a lot more, they note, to different teams such as winning culture. He's suited to a team that attacks on defense and has good pieces on the line. Um, they note that he's not a game changer like TJ, um, and he could actually be paired with another Russian free agency. And this shows where the Pittsburgh Steelers have got no chance of signing Bud Dupree. They project he'll sign a four-year contract at $17 million per year with $15 million guaranteed. Um, that's going to close the chapter on this show for Bud Dupree. Um, we do wish him well. He's done a lot for the Steelers. He struggled those first couple of years, I think, as he came into the league. That sort of shows you where it sits. I'm going to look to preview a lot more players in our coming shows. Um, I'm going to, as I said, going to start being able to tease or or give a projection of what the market value looks like for different players. Um, I mean, different positions, I should say, sorry. Um, but look, I look forward to joining you next week on War Room. It's a continuation. It's, it's it's a name change for us, but it'll, I'm gonna I'm gonna start integrating a lot more draft content. You gotta listen. You gotta join that Let's Ride crew. You gotta get on and listen to some of the YouTube shows. There's a lot coming this off season. Just because the Steelers are no longer playing football doesn't mean you can't talk Steelers. Doesn't mean you can't hear about the Steelers. Doesn't mean your your passion has to wane off during the off season. It's not an off season for us. It's you know this is the interesting time. Um, not just about play. We're seeing how the Steelers retool the 2021 ahead. Have a great week. I look forward to joining you next Wednesday. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. 
Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.